I'm stoked for today. Introduce my good bud, Richard Fisky from Dimension Building in the Deep South, Timaru and Twizel. And what I'm stoked is we're going to run through his lessons in growing from three to 10 mil, particularly around team and system. So having a high performing culture, the right org structure. So what you need at three mil, we need at five, what you need at 10 plus. Numbers and pricing. Also, how to keep your balls on the line when things are tight and you don't, so you don't drop your margin just to keep you guys busy and you still actually make sure that jobs are profitable. Uh, leadership, what he does, what Nick, his GM does and how they define their roles, who does what each day, who looks at, runs the day-to-day -day, and who focuses on the future. And I think uh, just some of Richard's, uh, you know, Highlights, revenue 10 mil plus, 55 master builders awards, a high-performing team, an epic culture, two locations, one in Timaru, one in Twizel. Uh, general manager, Nick, that's freeing up his time. Uh, growing property portfolio, five properties purchased in the last 12 months. One of the biggest things is be great for Rich to take us through his sales and marketing. In the last two weeks, he's landed three projects, 5.4 mil extra worth of work. So. All right, Rich, over to you, my man. Give us a little bit of a background on your business. And uh, if anyone's got questions as we go, type them into the chat and then we'll we'll open it up to you. Take the floor, yeah. Rich. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, what are we? We're in Timaru. Um, geez, I think we've been going 11 years now. So pretty much uh, when I started, I was working for... Uh, a really good reputable company in town, um, building high-end stuff. And the developer rang me up and said, John, you on your own? And I said, not really. I said, I do, but not now. And he said, well, I'll give you five houses or something. So I said, right, but I said, I've got no money. So I pretty much, because we had a baby when I was really young, wife got pregnant at 19. Um, so we kind of had a house. So I pretty much rented out my house, moved in with in-laws, Got a 20 grand OD, went and brought a $7,000 shitty van, and then just pretty much worked my ass off, really, um, and still do to this day. Um, now, uh, sort of last year, we were about 32 people, and we had sort of two crews doing uh, subtrade crews, but now I've cut that back <laughs> to 22, and that's kind of where our company. It's kind of like our company sweet spot, really. Yep. And then we've got two locations. We run a small crew in Twizel, and then we run about 16 guys in Timaru. We're trying to run, we're cutting back on how many jobs you run. We're going to run probably about three jobs in town, three to four, depending on the size. Um, most of our stuff is quite big, full-on stuff, and that's what I love. Um, pretty much... Yeah, we just did a five million was our biggest one. Then we got yeah, just signed up three big jobs. One's two point four, then a two and a bloody one point three. Um, and most of those jobs I've been working on for bloody been chasing them for about two years. They eh, some of them, so you, you always got to stick in there and keep in touch with those people. Um, shit, what else? I've pretty much I've made every mistake in the book, bloody. Bloody any mistake you can make, I've made it. Um, should I've thought I've been going bust probably three times, but <laughs> but yeah, fucking um, yeah, just work your way out of it, and yeah, pretty much learning from your mistakes is a big thing, eh? Um, you only learn when you you don't learn when you're winning. You learn when your bloody backs against the wall. I've got a question already, Rich. What's it like working with your wife in the business? Like, how do you separate who does what? How do you kind of isolate, you know, table talk at, at night that's business, etc. Oh, geez, we had an argument last night. <laughs> it's because um, Summer, me and Summer are like totally opposite people. Like, I'm OCD, organized. She's really creative, um, kind of, I'd say, like, slow moving. I'm like, fucking stay out of the way. If I'm, like, working on the tools, it's like, shut the fuck up, let's get the job done. It should be like kind of like things. So it's kind of hard. So she does kind of like we are designing that. And she's like really communicative and I'm quite quiet. 
So even like last night, I got home. I didn't get home from Tyson for about quarter to eight. And all she wanted to do was talk work. And I'm like, Summer, like, my house is, like, when I get home, there's no work. So, like, because my yard's at my house. So I'm like, work's over there. House is, like, fuck, that's my time. So it is quite hard, but you just got to set those boundaries, I guess. Um, you know, like, that's what I do when I'm at home. There's no work chat even though she like wants to talk about like, how's your day? Like what went wrong? What went good? What? And I'm like, no, no chat. What's her role in the business and how has that grown and evolved and changed? Uh, she does pretty much all our marketing and it helps a lot with the design. Um, but then she kind of had a wee breakdown and hasn't really kind of been involved much in the last sort of year and a half. And that's why our marketing that has dropped off quite a lot. So it's, um, yeah, so she's starting to get back into it now. Like she's really good with the design and that and really good with marketing, but it, cause obviously building's quite stressful. It kind of, I can handle it, but she can't handle it as much like the pressure of it. So it's kind of like what we're working on at the moment is just trying to take a little bit of weight off her shoulders with bringing in her cousin, Sarah. So then she can just really concentrate on the design sort of fixtures selections all that yeah awesome yeah you said tell us a little bit about your mindset around growth and growing a team because i think this is one of the best things that i see in your business is your focus on culture systems and really growing your people and and holding them accountable yeah culture is so important day eh? like all my guys hang out outside of work too um i'm a big believer like we've grown so much, but like I look back and I like I remember when we got to like three, four guys. I was like, shit, we'll get gonna have no more. I'm happy with this. And then we're like to 10, and it's like, oh no more, we're happy with this. But like our company just kind of we had to grow with it. And I was the one that was kind of trying to hold it back. But yeah, we culture's so important, like, and that's kind of where we lost our way a little bit over the last year, is because I went away from our usual hires, like I always hire. I try and always hire from like within our team's group. So I couldn't give a shit how good you are as a builder or all the things I kind of hire on. Uh, do you love building? Do you love the trade? And are you sort of mates with the guys in our crew? And are you going to fit in? Because I know pretty much every person that comes to our company is going to be kind of there workmanship kind of won't be what I want but I know if you love it you fit in and you want to have a laugh doing it but you want to work hard that we can school you up and get you to the level that we want so yeah really yeah we hire based on pretty much yeah do you love it and do you fit in and then I'm a big believer of promoting from within too yeah. absolutely how do you get, we all want this, we all want people to have ownership of their roles and think like a founder or think like an owner. How do you stop yourself from micromanaging while still making sure that people are accountable and can get results? Like, what do you do systems-wise or reporting, numbers? Like, How do you make sure things stay on track and people own their roles? Yeah, it's a hard one because like I'm I'm so OCD and like I'm so just want to know bloody everything. But like I kind of, it come to the point for me where it was just like a bit overwhelming and I was like, I know I'm actually the one that's holding this business back. So that's when I started promoting people into those roles. But when I promote them, they've got to have the kind of same values as me. Mm -hmm. So like how we how we treat our how we treat our staff, how we treat clients, and also the same kind of thinking around money and that and the financials. Um so do you do anything similar to so value values is a thing that everyone talks about, but not many people integrate it into their company and live, eat, sleep, and breathe by it. Now I think some of the best integration that I've seen is Hayden Nations with his employee handbook well they do it onboarding their values in the uh, interviewing process through the hiring and then in their quarterly reviews how do you maintain the values and 
what specifically do you do around meetings, toolbox or onboarding, et cetera? Uh, meetings and stuff. So we've kind of changed that a little bit this year. Um, so now we have a foreman meeting every Friday. We have a management meeting every Monday. Um, I do a financial meeting with my accountant every month as well now. So the kind of, we're trying to, because now we are just that little bit bigger, we're trying to keep that buy-in from everyone, like make sure that everyone feels like they are part of the company and they've got that ownership. So I think for that, especially with your foreman, just talking numbers and that, like I keep it really open with them. Um, so like even I'll tell them the profit they made, like we made off a job and that, but it's really important to also teach them about your overheads and stuff too. So I think by really telling people your actual numbers and keeping it real with them really helps to make that buy-in. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. All right. Everyone, stop for a second. We're going to make this as interactive as possible. So the more value Richard can give based on the specific questions that you guys want answered. So type in now what's your biggest insight or your biggest question now so we can make this uh, valuable for everyone. Peter said hiring people with the same values. Yeah, so one mute, John. John, do you want to ask your question to Richard? Yeah, Richard, I'm just kind of curious because I've had, um, like you, we've grown quite a bit and I've had uh, two, three project managers at once. And the thing that I've ran into is, you know, I train these guys up and they see obviously maybe like you, you're successful, you got a big business. And then all of a sudden they go out and they think they can, make more money on their own maybe they can or can't but what i've noticed is is them by them knowing how to bid or their margins or all that stuff I'm, I'm basically for me it seems like i've had two guys in the last two years go out that i've trained and now are now basically my competition which is kind of frustrating so i'm just curious how you've dealt with that or maybe your viewpoint or how you see that uh, yeah, first thing I'd say, like, I still don't even look at myself as successful. I still think, like, I'm only just getting started. Um, well, <laughs> I think all of us do, but yeah. yeah. Second thing I'd say, there's two things I want for my employees. Like, I either want them, like, change your mindset a little bit. Like, I either want them, I want to teach them so good that they do actually, if they do become my competition, that it's actually going to bring the market up. So we're not going to be pricing against guys that bloody undercut. So like I'd say, like if they're going to go on their own, like be fucking stoked for them. Like oh, I think if my guys go on their own, I'm stoked. Or if they stay with me forever, how can I look after them? And then like when I tell my staff my numbers, it's really about educating them on the other side of it too. So like say one job, we just finished, we made 356,000, I think. And we just absolutely kicked ass. I think it was like 30% GP. Um, but then I sat my foreman down because I could see in his face, he's like, holy fuck, that's a lot. Like, and I was like, mate, but you've got to understand. So then I brought up my overheads. I was like, this is how our overheads work. So you think that, I think it was about a $1.3 million job. I was like, mate, you take that $1.3 million job straight, straight off that 6% is gone bloody back to everyone else that we don't even see so it's, it's just trying to maybe educate them about this is what gp is and this is what net profit is i'd say yeah but okay. yeah i think if, if you can teach your guys if they go out against you um yeah hopefully it helps because they're going to see like what they can actually do like because i get real frustrated when we price against guys that i just know that are going to undercut us so hopefully that you've taught them that well, that'll actually bring up the standard in your local industry, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 all mindset, man. I I like your mindset. I, I get where you're going. So yeah. Good. And like I better with mindset and stuff too, like because building industry is a tough industry. But it's always just trying. I always just try and take the positive out of every bloody thing. But it sometimes it does take you a while to get to that positive. But yeah, you got to go through the rage first to get there. But Thank you, Texas. Cheers, John. You're a legend. Um, Bruce has got a question around team size, positions, roles you have from management and office roles, but we've actually got a couple of charts for that, Bruce, and we'll go through that in just a second. Uh, I'm going to 
Anthony said, I'm quite open with my guys on the numbers too. So it's good to hear that you do the same because quite often they don't understand the overheads and all the background costs. So Sam's got an interesting question. Sam, your Pearson, do you also share your losses with employees? And I think this, we can probably unpack a much bigger thing here, Rich, if you're comfortable with this. So Richard had a big job that turned to shit. And I think, uh, and the losses through that and what happened, the lessons from that are something that need to be shared with the company throughout so that you do an autopsy when something doesn't go how it should. You take those lessons because it's easy to be in momentum when you're winning, but it's when you're losing. That's where the real lessons and when you make changes to culture, standards that you don't slip below makes a massive difference. So Sam, can you, uh, yeah, just voice out your question, bro? I was thinking more in the from the point of view of pricing um, and people going out on uh, employees becoming competition for you. If you share your losses, I guess it's a bit of a, a risk that an employee would need to think about before they went out on their own. Yep, definitely. Yeah, yeah like we, I share everything. Like I share my losses. Um, like we just had our worst job in my whole bloody entire since I've been gone like last year and it just absolutely kicked our ass. So we lost 500 grand on a job and we we're just lucky that all our other stuff was so profitable. Um, but what I did, cause it, like that is, that is when you actually learn is like on your loss, like you can win, 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 win. And like, you'll still do really well, but like on that loss, I've learned so much. And that was come down to like, that staff member didn't really have the same thing as me, but I pretty much brought in all my foremen like all my, all my really heavy hitting guys, and be like, look, we fucking lost five hundred grand on this job, so I need you guys to really step up, and we've got to run these other jobs good to just get out of this bloody hole. But I was like, from looking from your guys' aspect, like, what do you guys actually think went wrong there, and what would have you guys done different? Because it's really good to get their opinion too. Because like, for me, I'm just living it day in day out. And then they're not even on that job, but I sent them up a few days just to help out to get the thing done. So I'm like, what did you see when you went up there? And like, yeah. So you definitely, definitely share your losses. Cause also that's what we do in our um meetings on Fridays with our foreman, is kind of share what's going good, what's going wrong. And also say, like, if you can tell, like we track everything in time. So like say if we're getting a little bit over on materials and stuff we can just be like hey who's actually got a bit of this stuff on site can we go pinch that off your site do you need it and it kind of like gets everyone involved thanks sam does that help yeah that's good thank you awesome uh wade's got a question can you share what went wrong on that job as a lesson for others please so i think if we could unpack some of the things that went wrong and what you've put in place so that it doesn't happen going forward biggest lesson i learned is i had the wrong person in the job but then probably the other big one is I dropped the ball um, we were just too busy I couldn't sort of manage it how I was I didn't put enough time into it uh, we didn't have the right people on site and that is pretty much it really eh? like I, I pretty much just dropped the ball because I was too busy so I couldn't manage it and then yeah like just being two hours away just didn't really have a good handle on it. Yeah. So, so are there things that you do differently with regards to reporting in real time from that job, like swapping out potentially the project manager or the foreman there? Like there's a lot of things that you can do if you can see that things are going to custard. What were you thinking at that time? Were you thinking, <laughs> what are we going to do? He's like, we were just treading water, eh? We are just, fuck, we had eight jobs going and... Yeah, it was just pretty much we had the wrong staff. We had subcontractors on the job because subbies just, they don't have the same buy-in when they're an employee. So like they were kind of pissing around a bit, then they were putting in bad. Sort of the whole vibe up there was just getting a bit bad and they were putting in, um what's the word I'm looking for? Um, bad habits into our guys as well. Then there was just kind of, yeah. And it just keeps snowballing from there. Then attitudes got bad. Then by the time we tried to get in there and fix it, it was just too late. Yeah. 
Uh, that job value was was about 2.3 mil the house. Yeah. All right. We've got a lot of people asking about org structure, who does what, et cetera. So we'll jump to that and then we'll come back to marketing. Yeah. So um, just if you can walk us through and then, then if anyone's got any questions, pop your questions in and we can add more specificity to that. Yeah, so yeah, Nick's my general manager. So Nick's been with me pretty much from the start. I think he came on about three months after I started. Then Shelly is actually his sister, and she's been here for a long time. Sarah is kind of like admin design, just helps out wherever she can. Um, she's actually my wife's cousin. We're very family orientated around here. Um, Everyone's related in the deep south. Yeah, yeah, we just we still ride our horse to work and stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Steve Burt's the project manager. Um, so Aaron Sequin was a project manager, but we're kind of putting him into a construction manager, which is kind of like a hybrid role. So probably because since we're going to run less jobs, we're going to run three to four. Um, me and Nick just sat down and just wrote pretty much everywhere we were dropping the ball and kind of put it into his role. And that's how we come about him. Yeah, so we've got, yeah, Callum Morgan Brody and Perry. They're our foreman. So we either put two foremen on when we run a real big job, like we've got a massive one going at the moment. We kind of put two foremen on there. Yeah, then qualified and apprentices, but Rod Reed has just about been signed off. And then our Twizzle crew, we've got three guys. So they're quite young, the Twizzle crew. So we're being a bit more selective on what jobs we take on until he's ready to kind of step up and run some big stuff. So we're building, pretty much building Twizzle from the ground up again. When you do have, like, a, a coming out of a loss and then taking those lessons, how do you maintain the mindset to keep your margins high at a good level and profitable particularly if you go through a quiet patch like you did at the beginning of the year rather than you know drop your pants to win a job at a lower margin how'd you keep that mindset uh I always tell myself um and you know you're like you're constantly battling with your mind but always just tell myself and this is kind of like the mindset I tell my guys too is like we're actually fucking winners like we win and if I if I lose, like fuck, I'm just giving all those cunts that talk shit about you. You actually like letting them win, but we actually win. So it's just like just man the fuck up and do it, you know, like win. Yeah, that's what I tell myself every day. Yeah, I don't fucking lose. Even when I lose like, on that big job, like I was up there yesterday and it still fucking pisses me off every time I go there, but I'm I still just like on the way home, I was so pissed off and I just keep trying to tell myself like, fuck, we actually won there because we actually got rid of some staff that didn't actually fit our line. And this is what we've done to put in place. So we actually, I'm taking that as a win. Awesome. So Wade's asked, it sounds like you do a lot of custom homes. Is that the only type of work you do? And Alan has asked, do you subcontract trade work out, work out, or is it all in-house? Yeah, so we've obviously got our, so I won't ever hire any more subcontract labour because it just doesn't fit for us, but we obviously subcontract in like plumber, sparky, painter, jib stopper. Yeah, and then what were you saying about? Do you mainly uh, do high-end custom builds or will you take on board other projects, remodels, renovations, smaller jobs? Yeah, we still do everything, um, but we do get tarred with the brush that we only do the high-end stuff now, which I think is good and bad. Like, so we probably miss the opportunity to price quite a bit of stuff because everyone just thinks we do the high-end, but, but then at the end of the day, that's the work that I love. So, yeah. Awesome. Mike has an excellent question. You asked us a great question. If you can unmute yourself and ask Richard directly about the foreman yeah yeah here you go the question maybe just from our own business i see my brother managing all the the building crews and i see it's like a difficult to expand at a certain point when you have too many contacts so how do you manage all the issues does it all the foreman report or 
talk to the construction manager first or yeah pretty much like so the the role that i'm trying to work my way towards is only thing i do on site is deal with the foreman around the details and quality and deal with clients and deal with like sales so pretty much all my foreman if there's something that relates to like detail how it's going to go together they ring me but if it's anything else like booking in sub trades or materials and all that they go to the project manager pretty much yeah so yeah the foreman still ring me quite a lot but that's only ever to be kind of around details yeah yeah, if you're running a lot of big jobs with complex details, there's probably still a lot of uh, contact with you. Yeah, yeah, but I like it that way too. Like I, yeah, like I, I want the job to be built how kind of like I see it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, because that that is the thing that I love about our job is like the details, stuff like that. So like I'm still not there. Like I still do way too much stuff what marty says in your genius zone i still do way too much stuff that i shouldn't be doing and i am trying to work my way to being that i'm only really on site once a day with the foreman going through all that stuff dealing with clients and dealing with sales like upcoming clients and stuff yeah yeah but it's just detailed to the foreman like this is you ring me for this but if you're ringing about this this and this you've got to ring the pm so they don't kind of Harass you. Yeah. Well, good, Mike. I guess it's your name on the quality and being high in hope, um, home builder. Yeah. Yes. It's what it you're is. trying to sell as well. So keeping involved is probably good. Yeah. And like, you don't want to get any disconnect between your foreman either. Like, we always tell my guys, like, I don't care who you are, if you're an apprentice, like, your, um, your opinion's still valid. Like, don't be afraid to say it. Like, yeah, I don't care if you're an apprentice and you come up to me and say, hey, what about doing like this? Like, you know, like your, your opinion's still valid. There's no kind of, like obviously I'm still the boss and it gets done how I want it to get done, but I still don't put myself above anyone. And like, same with all our management and stuff. Like, I try and say, like, we're all still like a team. Like, yeah. But obviously there is moments we need to be the boss too yeah absolutely uh scott asked are all your high-end jobs fixed price contracts or do you do cost plus as well always fixed price yep cost plus i think you get into a lot of issues um i've only ever done a couple cost plus and geez that was like six seven years ago it was a million dollar home which was quite a lot back then and i think we brought it in at a million dollars in 50 so it was only 50 grand over but that was just even though the client was like mega wealthy that was just such a big deal to them that they just thought that like how could you run a job and only and bring it in 50 grand over i was like Fuck, mate i'm stoked like 50 grand over a million like let's go <laughs> i thought that was pretty fucking good yeah so i always do fixed price but then that comes down to quite a lot of things like you've got to be on your pricing you, and you've got to learn from your pricing and then You've got to have good systems around change orders and all that as well, or variations or whatever you call them. Yeah. How do you run your management team? So what do you do in terms of meetings and who? what's the one KPI or the main KPI that each role is responsible for? Yeah, pretty much we just have a Monday morning meeting with our management staff. Um, and that's just pretty much going through all the jobs. So like we go through... Like look at labor hours, look at our where our materials are at, um, any issues they've got, any stuff we've got to up upcoming as well. And that's kind of like all we kind of do for our meetings with our but they're here, like they're in the office every day. So you kind of it's just a revolving door, really. Yeah. Awesome. Alan, then, big I've also got like checklists and stuff too. So every Friday my GM just goes and looks at their checklist. So they've got like certain stuff they've got to get done in the week and they've got to check it off. And then if they haven't done it on Friday, they just, Jim just says, hey, have you done this? Let's take that off. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that's probably not coming across is uh, 
Richard's got a very relaxed demeanor, but he's got easily one of the best systemized, best processes oriented businesses that I've seen in the last 15 years. And so for every every role, there's a, there's a scorecard, there's a process, there's a system, there's a task, et cetera. And then there's meetings that calibrate that with um, KPIs and expected results. Alan, you've got a question around selections. My question was really just with doing the fixed fixed price. I'm I'm we also do custom homes similar to you. And um I'm just curious, how do you do the fixed price? Are you putting allowances in there? Or are you just really diligent on getting what's going into these homes from a specs standpoint um done ahead of time so you know what you're pricing? Uh it's a pretty big question because it comes it starts at the sales really like I try and get it to positions that I never have to price against anyone and then then you can kind of take the client through so we like to be involved at the start so then you can kind of take the client through the whole process and then you can really work out all their selections and put in proper yeah so in New Zealand we, we always put in PC sums which would be allowances I guess maybe in America Mm-hmm. So PC sum is like say you've got 30 grand for the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and that, but then yeah, it's kind of that, yeah. Yeah, so we do, but I try and keep our PC sums really minimal. Like I only kind of want to have about three or four in there max, because they are the ones that can obviously skyrocket. But that's when it comes to your sales process, is be like, hey, like, because we work with people for like bloody years and but before they actually start so it's like trying to get them into like it's like say I had someone last week and I was like you know like we're, we're pricing against one other guy in here and I'm like well we usually don't really price against people because it's never apples for apples like we'll always be higher no matter what and I tell them that up straight away but it's like you really got to work out he's going to put in $20,000 kitchen I'm telling you you're going to be putting a $20,000 bench top so it's like, mm-hmm. what did, and it gives you a good input. So it's like, hey, why don't I book in a meeting with our kitchen person? So and let's go sit down with them and get, um, get you kind of just a rough sketch of your kitchen done and estimate what it's going to be. And then that also gives you another good, um, like it's building trust with them and it's kind of giving you another meeting opportunity with them. Some people just say no, but some people do. So yeah, I try and keep our... Yeah, maybe about three PC sums in there, but you really want to make sure that they're good, good sums <laughs> and actual sums. Because when you, when it comes in, like oh god, one we had one three years ago, and I think we put in eighty grand for the kitchen, and he spent two hundred and fifteen, and it was like embarrassing for us. But he was just so rich, he was just like, thank you. So I was like, fuck. <laughs> but if that was someone else, whose money was tight. It's quite hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Wade Harris. Wade, my man, you've got a question around managing your holidays and protecting your time, which we are massive on. What's your question? Yeah. So I just wanted to know, like, um, obviously, like all of us, you get a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails. How do you sort of separate your time when you want to go away on holiday um, and have some time to yourself? To, to sort of be able to actually take a proper break um, from those phone calls, from those emails, et cetera? Uh, pretty much. I haven't had a holiday for about two years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, like everyone here, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but I am. I'm booking in for Bali in April and Fiji in September for next year. Nice. Um, oh, it's a hard one, eh? Like, little things I've done is just turn my notifications off on my phone. When I get home, my phone goes in beside my bedside table and just don't try and touch it. Um, yeah, like all my staff are pretty good with, they don't ring me or text me much. Um, they go to my office lady for time off. Um, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to separate, but I just do little things like that. Same like, I know when I walk past like my shit at home that like I'm cutting work off. And I usually have to kind of do a little, I just kind of, because like I am a bit of an OCD freak. So like I've kind of got to do a wee couple of things I've just learned over the years to kind of switch my brain off. 
What about yes. any any strategies, Rich, that stand out from Dan Martell that you've applied or going to apply that from buy back your time that we had on two weeks ago? Yes, I'm trying to work on that now. So like I, at the moment, like I'm still feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of work I'm doing and I'm still doing stuff that I kind of don't want to be doing. So at the moment, I am kind of working out, do I actually need a PA? So that's probably, probably the thing I'm working at at the moment is do I need a PA or can someone in here, do they have enough scope to take over a bit of my work, the stuff that I don't need to be doing? Yeah, so I actually, I've read his book and I'm reading it again now. It's a bloody good book, eh, if anyone wants to read it's it. Gold. Absolutely yeah. gold. Does that help, Wade? It's a work in yeah. progress. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the thing I do when I've finished work, I know it's real weird, but like I'll go home and clean. And that's like, that kind of yeah. switches my brain off. Yeah. And then like I live on a golf course. So then I'll, now I'll go back out and play golf, play three or four holes, and then go ride motorbikes with my boy. That all sounded good, apart from the go home and clean part. Uh, it's just fucking who I am, mate. My wife thinks I'm fucking nuts, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so John, the book is uh, "Buy Back Your Time" by Dan Martell. Great book. Uh, Stu Bell in the Deep South. Have you got your own QS or complete that part yourself? Funnily enough, we've been talking about this over the past three months. Yes, I've outsourced our QSing for years to the same guy. Um, but we're looking at bringing it in-house with the construction manager. Yeah, we're looking at going to build exact. But at the moment, we outsource our QS. Uh, we bring in all the sub-trade quotes. Um, yes, quite a, I'm just redoing our whole pricing process at the moment, really, just because that's something I'm doing and I don't want to do it. I hate it. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, we're looking at bringing it in-house, but... I think if we still bring it in-house, we'll still run with the QS for probably three or four jobs until I can kind of know that I'm comfortable to bring it in-house. Yeah, absolutely. I think that construction manager role is, is great for the size that you're at, half, you know, half PM and half uh, QS. Yeah, no, I've kind of written out how I'm going to do my new pricing. Yeah, I, I know how I'm going to do it now, but yeah, whether we outsource or in-house, I'm not sure yet. What led to bringing on board a GM or hiring a GM and, and what does Nick do? What's the differentiation between your role and what he does and, and what's it freed you up to do? Oh, bloody so much. Like it was, it was just coming down. I was just getting overwhelmed and like you kind of, you can kind of know when you're actually, you're dropping the ball. Like my counselor, because I used to look over every single invoice I used to code every single invoice then like my accounts lady would be like come on you need to do those invoices I need to get them entered then I'm like oh fuck I'm just got to do this got to do this so like just I, it was all just getting a bit too much so bringing Nick in to kind of taking over all that's been such a bloody it's been awesome eh? yeah and he's just a bulldog yeah, so just walk us through what are the, what are the highlights out, out of his role that have that have really made a big difference to your sanity and profitability. Uh, well, Nick's yeah, Nick's been with me from the start, and Nick's got a really good. So his dad was a really successful businessman, and he his dad's still one of the guys that I go to for advice. So like he's just so into the company, he's always got the company's best interest at mind. And like I've just allowed Nick to buy in as well. Um, but yeah, pretty much like he runs the project managers. He deals with the foreman a lot. Um, he's looking over every single invoice, every single purchase order. Um, he's working on scheduling. Um, he's kind of taken off all that stuff. Yeah, and that's kind of how I come to the point of hiring a general manager. Is, it was actually my wife rang my uncle who he had a $50 million company. Oh, I think it might have been about 80. And my wife said, fucking Rich is just working like a madman and he's he's going to fucking, she'll be on the ground soon if he doesn't stop. 
some uncle rang me up and said, right, this is what you're going to do. You're going to write down for the next two weeks, you're going to write down everything you do for 15 minutes, every 15 minute block. Then he said, I'm coming back to see you in two weeks and we'll go through it. So he just looked at it and goes, you're a fucking idiot. What are you doing that for? What are you doing that for? So he's like, you need to bring someone else in. So I was like, right, well, then I rung Nick's dad, said, what should I do? He's like, well, you need a general manager. And it's, yeah, like general manager is kind of like how I look at it. General manager does everything that operates inside of the business. I'm kind of thinking outside of the business. Yeah. So great delineation is a general manager focuses on today and a founder or a CEO focuses on tomorrow. And, and you get to decide what's all the day-to-day operational stuff that does your head in, but it's critical. That's a, a GM's role. Yeah, like, and he's quite different to me. Like, I'm quite, like, I'm quite calm, laid back, but he's, like, a bit of a bulldog. So, like, even, so, like, say I'd be quite lenient on change orders and stuff with clients, like, but he's not. He's, like, nah, let's change order. This is why. So, yeah, like, he does all that. Like, and all I do really now is look over, well, the change orders get lodged and they get sent out every Friday. So, every Friday morning, I just go in and look at the change orders before they get invoice and just double check them and then once a month well i'm in zero bloody every second day so i still look at the bills in that way anyone got any questions around these roles have you are you comfortable to share a job description if anyone needs one yeah yeah we can obviously take kpis or anything specific of it if anyone needs anything um like i'm more than happy to help out eh? because like i said i've made every mistake under the sun and i'm not too proud to say it you know so Awesome. It always helps bloody someone that's been there before. So let's uh, switch gears and let's actually go back to marketing that people are very intrigued as to your growth and how you've marketing part. Sorry, who was that? What's that? Am I talking about marketing now? (laughs) Yes, we're talking about marketing now. That's dead right. Do you have a question? I did not know I was on. My partner just pulled up. Okay, well, we'll mute you, Landon, and uh, All right. Richard, hit us up with the marketing to grow to 10 million and beyond. Uh, marketing's a hard one for me because, um, like, I don't even go on Facebook. I don't think I've done one Facebook post in my life. <laughs> so my mar- the marketing's really, my wife has done a lot of it. But for us, because we are a small town, which actually helps, I think it actually probably helps a lot being in a small town because everyone knows everyone. So for me, marketing is like locally is reputation. Um, I was always a big believer when we started that I'd rather make sure my reputation was key and then instead of making it like a lot of profit. So if something was actually wrong, I'd rather fix it, make it cost money because I knew down the track that it's actually going to give me return tenfold few years down the track yes yeah, so your yeah, marketing is yeah it's like brand identity like we change our logo so you got to make sure wherever you're seen that you look professional so we do two sets of clothes every year for our guys and we expect them to wear it our vans always have to be clean our site signs always have to be in place our sites always have to look clean um so it's always those little things like even when i'm when I drive past, like could be any kind of business that I'm like, fuck, that's a bit messy. I automatically think, oh fuck, they must be a bit shit house. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. But my wife does all the Facebook. We always get the best bloody results when the posts are quite genuine and like having the guys inside of it, like so people can actually relate to it. Um, yeah. You highlight a lot of team activities, and I think that's one of the best things that, you know, you become the employer of choice from all the social posts you put up on what your team is doing and celebrating team birthdays and activities. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because, like, they talk to their mates and everyone kind of wants to work here, so we never really have a problem hiring. Um, You do a lot with our staff. Uh, Geez, what else do we do? We do... Um, all Marty's info packs and stuff is really good. All that stuff is so good, but I feel like yeah, we have dropped the ball in our marketing in the last year and a half. And Marty always tells me that. So we're like, we're redoing it now. But I think with marketing, it always needs to evolve. 
It's like we're redoing ours all now again, and it's only about a year and a half old, two years old. So it's got to keep bloody, it's got to keep up with what's happening around and update your photos. Uh, Master Builders has been huge for us too. Um, the awards, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, well, I know, because all it does is give us brand awareness. And like we become a trusted brand. Like some people think Master Builders is a crock of shit. And like you can't actually argue that it is. But to the people that like it is just two judges walk around your house for an hour. But you obviously still got to do a good job. But the people that come to us kind of like want to be entered in it. And it, you know, it just it's just giving you that trust. And that's kind of like where we've gotten is like we we're trusted within the industry that we don't have to compete as much. Yep. And I think then video testimonials, case studies off the back of those is the next step that really makes a massive difference. And I think your um your info pack and your quote into an action plan easily two of the best that uh that I've seen like high converting quote templates an absolute game changer and yours is more than just a price so can you walk us through a little bit about your approach to sales and what the difference or the the big changes that you've made that have really helped you know cement your sales process and converting those bigger jobs yeah so it's like all that marketing and all that stuff at the start is to get the person in the door but once you're in but yeah, once you're in the once the client's in the door, like that's when you really want to take control. Like, and it's trying to educate them. So it's like that little thing of just trying to do, like get them in to the kitchen place. You know, it just gives you another in with them. Like we always try and like shit, we just went for this job and man, we put in some time. We actually redid our whole quote just for this job. Yeah, it's trying to, yeah, how do I it's it's trying to make sure that you, they feel like you don't just meet them, then you're sending them a price. It's like I'm texting or ringing or emailing all our potential clients like at least two or three times a day. Oh, no, a week, sorry. Just little things like, say, we're pricing a big one at the moment. Just be like, hey, mate, working on your price today. Just got another two or three um, two or three sub-trade quotes and everything's looking quite cool got some good ideas around like yeah bloody bathroom finishes just it's constant communication and I feel like we win a lot of jobs because of that it's because it's kind of like we give a shit and we actually want your job because it's actually no there's no better feeling when you win a job like I never oh there is the odd time we adjust our margin but there's actually no better time feeling when you win a job when you're the most expensive and it's trying to Absolutely. educate and why you're the most expensive. Yeah, price yeah. is only one variable. This is the biggest investment that people make typically in their life. And so we want to educate them on all the other key variables, communication through the job, who's going to be on, the, on their project, uh, your systems and processes. Yeah, it's like becoming trusted over communicating um and then also trying to find their worries I always try and dig into their worries like have you built before like what what actually worries you about moving forward and building this house like what and then once they tell you anything you can be like then don't I don't really give it to them that day but then in the next couple of days I'll touch base again hey you know you said um we're real worried about the schedule and stuff and what happens if it goes over time. We'll be like, well, this is kind of like what we've done in the past. So like, I'd quite like to put that into your quote. Would that be all right? Just Absolutely. Yeah, just and then making, making that visible. So it's one thing to talk about it, but if you can then show a system or a process or a person that you have that helps to overcome their concern, yeah. it gives them 10 times more confidence that you're the company that has the best systems and processes to deliver the result that they want. Yeah, it's like they, that house, one big house we just won and they've just had a horrible experience in a house and it's just gone way over time and stuff. So like we don't really do timelines and that, like it gets kind of built when it gets built. Um, but I said to my PM, look, if I, 
just yeah, when you sat down with the PMC, like shit, this is this job, this is this guy's concern. What about if I write up a wee bloody another wee guarantee saying that if we bring this in on time, um, or if we go over time, I'm going to pay you five hundred dollars a week. I was like, hey, you got yep. my back. I'm going to be able to do this. He's like, fuck yeah. So then I got Nick to write up. This is our um, dimension building bloody timeline standard. So once we set your bloody start date, we issue your finish date. Depending on what change orders you do, um, if we don't get you in within this timeline, I'm going to pay you 500 bucks a week. Yep. Just all and those reassurances. Yeah, and I just fucking made that up because I knew what he just mentioned probably like four or five times, like how how pissed off he is that how this job's gone over. So it's like, once again, like you're just kind of building trust with him. Yep. Uh, Mike's got a question. Do you contract out interior design work? A uh, bit of both. My wife does a lot. And then depending on the client, um, last three jobs, they've actually brought in an interior designer. But if they don't, we get heavily involved in it with them. Cool. And then John asked, uh, do you pay for your guys' clothing? Yep. Well, the key thing is to get uh, your partners and suppliers to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, we definitely shop around, get a good deal. Uh, but no, we definitely pay for it. Like, um, yeah, yeah, we definitely look after our staff. you got to think your staff's your biggest asset. Like, And if you can get everyone on board, it just makes your life so much easier. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Sam has got a question. How do you deal with stress, overwhelm, procrastination? What do you, what do, you do to stay sane? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I still get stressed, eh? Like, um, geez, I, I work out a lot. Um, I work out every day, and that clears my mind. Um, like I said, once I finish work, when, when I built my house and I lived in town, I used to put on the same song. I've just got like little wee OCD ticks. So like I used to listen to the same song on the way home every day to try and switch my mind off from work. But now obviously my house is at my yard. So like I have to go home and clean and that kind of just teaches me to switch off from work. Um, I listen to a lot of books as well. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, geez, I, yeah, I listen to a lot of books. You listen to a lot of Andy Frazella. I find Andy Frazella really good. Just yep. how um go hunting, try to go hunting a lot, try and get out the mountains, play golf, just try and do stuff outside of work. But yeah, you've got to find just your wee something that actually relates to you. Um also like I've got probably three yeah guys that I go to for business advice, and like maybe a month ago I was so stressed out. So I rang them, said, Can I have a meeting with you? just want to run a few ideas past you and then he just comes sits me down and he's like what the fuck you told him all my problems like, what are you worried about like this is nothing mate like fuck because i was like fuck we're in, we've gone into od and i'd never go into overdraft and he's like mate people live in overdraft so like what the hell are you worried about so it's good to get a couple like mentors and stuff like that that you can always ring they always really help me yeah and it's even like just even reaching out to someone else that's been there done that so like if anything is like you can always text me message me and i'll might not reply that day but i can always give you my insight of it you know just you just got to find your wee thing that actually works for you yeah awesome um and we've had a few people asking for the uh org chart structure the roles job descriptions etc are you okay with sharing those? We can put those into the members group and we can put them up on the portal and we'll get after this. Yeah, yeah, I can give you, we've got a really good pre-construction too and post-construction that yeah. I can share. Um, I can share my new quote as well. Um, Legend, too much. Like 60 pages long, eh? And I got that off uh, QBS. I kind of, I don't know if anyone else Perfect. follows QBS yeah. it. Just so he had was a folder going to a job presentation. I was like, shit, I need to be doing a folder like that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Now we're coming down the home stretch, meeting rhythm, high performing team system. How do you keep people on track? 
what are the what are the main things that you're trying to achieve out of the meeting and who who runs them? Uh, so I don't run our foreman meetings. I leave that totally up to Nick and Birdo, my PM. Um, I go in there, of course. I've got to go in there and have a wee listen and put in my two cents. Uh, but they completely run that, and all they do in that is labour hours, materials, any issues, anything they need to do coming up. Um, monthly financial meetings, we just, that's with our accountant. She's actually my cousin as well. She's bloody fucking hard on me, um, <laughs> which is good, good. Uh, but then, yeah, that new thing we've done is the pre-construction, post-construction. So the pre-construction is we bring in the client and then we run through like absolutely everything with them. Um, so we've obviously got the contract signed. So we run through the quote again. We run through the contract again. We run through the process around change orders. We run through the schedule. Uh, we run through all the selections they've got to make and by when they've got to make them. We bring in the foreman as well and have information about the foreman. We have information about the project manager. Uh, we even detail like what issues we foresee are going to happen in the job and just kind of like make them aware, but also like make them aware of like obviously like price increases and stuff. Like it's all obviously kind of calmed down, but we're still getting a couple of them. So we talk to them about that. Like, look, say like the one at the moment still windows. So it's been like, hey, over the last three or four jobs, we're still getting hit with quite a few price increases around windows. Like, but obviously we're going to try and get them ordered as early as we can, but just really want to make you aware that you might bloody get a price increase with your window, but just make, I want you to know that we've got your back and we'll try and get the price down as big as you can. Um, run through invoicing with them, how that all works. Um, yeah, our oh, contract works. We go through contract works around that with them, contract works policy, uh, get them to sign the guarantee. And then we also ask them to bring in their computer. We get them logged into Builder Trend. Then we set, like we have, I have a weekly meeting with our clients and then we set like the same time, same day every week. We set the, then we bring them in once a month to go through financials as well. We set that date. Then the post-construction is kind of like the same, but it's like you go through all your warranties, your code of compliance, your all your bloody LVP docs, all that crap, and and go through like the process from here, what we do once we finish your house. Yeah. Awesome. And how long's your punch out list take typically at the end? Have you got a target depending on the size of the jobs? Oh what's a punch out list? What do you mean? Like finishing off that last five percent of stuff that you know the clients have already stuff to fix, remedy, sign off, etc. Oh, just try and get them in there straight away. Yeah, just try and bloody that's the worst thing you can do. And that's kind of like where we dropped the ball a little bit over the last year. So we didn't get in and finish that little wee nag and stuff. So like even though we had a really good relationship with our client and gave them a really good service, they still tars the brush a little bit, only that last bloody one percent day. So try and get in straight away. Five and a half million dollar reno. We just went back there. We've been back there the last two months doing a fucking hundred grand bloody house. Probably going to be about a hundred and twenty grand now. Fence, fucking unreal. All right, this has been epic. All right, type in what's your biggest insight, biggest takeaway, or big ups to Rich. Or if you've got a question, and uh, and then I'll unmute you. All right, you're a champ. Thanks for today. Thanks, Rich. Impressive stuff. Thank you. All inspiring legend. Thanks. Everything was impressive. Thanks for taking us inside. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. Great to hear about everything. Cheers, Rich. You're a, you are actually human and still have the same issues as a lot of us. Love it, Wade. Thanks, Richard. Very nice work. Well done. All the best. Impressive systems implementation. Uh, here's a good question from Lane. Let's uh, unmute Lane, one of your fellow South Island cousins. All right, Lane. Are you there, mate? No, not related, no. Hey, how are you, yeah. brother? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good, um, man. Yeah, sy systems have probably been my biggest yeah, biggest weak point, I guess. I've implemented some, but it's just not something I seem to have a passion for. And what's the best way to, 
I guess, someone else to do that, or is that something that has to come from the top? Uh, no, you've just got to, all you've got to do is set what you actually want to get done and then offload it to someone else. Like, if it's not your passion, I wouldn't piss around with it. Just be like, this is the bloody systems that we need to implement, then offload it to someone else to do it. And all you do is come in and at the end and just look over it and be like, yeah, this is needs tweaked. But if it's not your passion, don't piss around with it. Eh? Like, just set what you want and get someone else to implement it. Yeah, I'm the same. The stuff I hate doing is I try and just get it off my desk now because I know I'm not going to do it right and I'm not going to do it when I need to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but you need them. Eh? You need systems when yep. you become bigger. Yeah, you have to. And the yeah, that's where we struggle a little bit too. Like we've got all the systems, but it's got to become second nature. And that's what I'm putting down to my GM, PM and construction managers like, it's actually on you guys to implement the systems. Even when we're busy, they, the fucking non-negotiable have to get done because it makes us all better and the company better. All right, this has been epic. Rich, you're an absolute star and a great human and a great businessman. Massively yep. appreciate you taking your time out to yep. help put this together. Cool. Yep. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. And we will see you guys on the line for your coaching sessions. All right. Take care. Thanks, Rich. Have a great yep. day, guys.